adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but of perverse tongue crushes the spirit. A fool spurns appearance discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. The house of the Lord, the house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings ruin. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not upright. May God add his blessing to that reading of scripture. Good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to mothers from my end as well. Um, I'm Etienne, and if you are here for the first time or, or still new to church or not sure what, what's going on, this is a weird world, uh, for the next bit, what we're going to do is we, uh, um, we're going to do what we call a sermon or a message, and essentially boils down to, you know, we kind of believe that God speaks to us by his spirit through his word, the Bible. And, and that's kind of what we do. It's why we do this. We spend... 30 minutes, half an hour every Sunday trying to understand what he's saying uh, in here. For the next few weeks, Mike already mentioned, we're going to look at a particular part of the Bible. It's called Proverbs. We're sharing this with another church. And um, we're going to look at four topics of our life that this uh, book of Proverbs that God speaks to. Uh, we're going to look at the future money, self-control, and words. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Who said that as a kid? <laughs> we all did, didn't we? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can't hurt me. What a load of crock. So not true. Words. <laughs> Words matter. Words are incredibly powerful. In fact, think about it. Obviously, we're talking about words today. <laughs> what sets us aside as humans from anything else in the world that we know? Uh, yeah, many things, but I put it to you, maybe the one single thing that's really unique is that we have the ability to speak. We can communicate using words. If you're a Christian, or, or if you're even vaguely familiar with the Christian world, uh, in Genesis, when God starts the world, how does he create the world? He uses words. He says, uh, let there be light. Words. Jesus comes to humanity at Christmas time, and he introduces himself as the word of God. Isn't it interesting? God, God has never, the, the Christian God, the God of the Bible has never given us an image or a thing or something to look at. What he gave us is a word. Words. <laughs> the way God speaks to us today and what we're doing is 
words in the Bible. And, and Proverbs, the particular book of the Bible that we'll look at for the next four weeks, has a lot to say about <coughs> words. In fact, there are about 90 Proverbs that speaks about words. How are we to use words, language, or our tongue is what it often refers to. It has more to say to us about words than anything else with regards to uh, our lives. It talks more about words than money or sex or family. By far the biggest topic that Proverbs addresses is how should we speak? What words do we use? How do we use words? Educating us around that. Today, I'm just going to look at the few Proverbs, and Proverbs, by the way, are just sort of one-liners, these pithy sayings that contain some truth. I'm just going to look at the few that Peter read to us uh, in that passage that have to do with, with words. There's three of them, and then we'll wrap it up with, with the fourth one. First one says this. A gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. I'd like us to look at a video. So, Ryan, you can roll that and then I'll talk again. Keep it subtle so she doesn't notice. So, how was the first day of school? She's probing us. I'm done. You pretend to be Joy. What? Okay. Um, hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like Joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. With a nice pass over the reef, comes across that right. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. Uh, what did she say? What? Oh, uh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? <sighs> He's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now. Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Oh, oh, you kidding me. For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? Boo, I'll be joy. School was great, all right? Riley, is everything okay? Oh. <sighs> Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude. Okay. No, 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 no. Stay happy! What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. Listen, young lady, I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well... Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. Now. Foot is down. The foot is down. Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. A bit subtle, so she doesn't notice. So, how was...
Inside Out, dealing with our... It's a movie, it's an animation, dealing with just our various emotions in us. And I don't know, I think that clip just kind of illustrates to us, you know, what happens when, when, when anger is met with anger, when, when the two little red guys, they represent our emotions of anger in our heads, when they, you know, when they go head to head and when they clash, like, like it did in that scene there. Um, I think what this proverb's trying to tell us is no one wins. <laughs> Uh, who won there? Think about your own life. Who has ever won when there was a fight and when, and when it's really just the, the conversation or the emails or the texts or the, or the Instagram sort of fight that you have wherever you have it when we keep just going at each other, anger with anger with anger, no one wins when, when words of anger are just repeatedly at each other is what this proverb is saying. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. What it wants us to think about is if we, if we are confronted and, and we rightly can be and should be angry with someone like the individuals in that clip in some respects both had a right to be angry with each other. How could they have answered each other in a way that could lead to a completely different outcome? How can we use our words when it comes to the issue of anger that turns wrath and anger away? That's the question. Now, I don't want to delve into that very deeply today, but I do want to be practical. I did a bit of research in how do we do this? How do we deal with angry people who are angry at us? When our kids are angry with us, when our spouses are angry with us, when our colleagues are just disgruntled and we are equally disgruntled, how do we, how do we deal with that? Well, uh, here's one practical tip, and I'm venturing into Christine's world a bit here with psychology. Uh, Gary Chapman, the guy who wrote Love Languages, yes, he gives these seven steps. When you're angry... And when someone is angry at you and they come barging through the door, seven steps. It's really actually only four, but seven. Okay, what should you do? First thing, listen. Listen to that person. Question is, just tell me how you see it. How, how, do, you, how do you see this problem? Why are you upset? What is it that makes you upset? What, what's the issue? Step number two, listen. Maybe just, maybe just follow-up questions. Can you, can you perhaps just clarify to me uh, this point or that point? Uh, tell me a bit more about this thing that upsets you so much. Third time, uh, maybe rather than just rotely getting the person to repeat what they're saying three times, just kind of try and summarise. Can I, can I try and summarise what you're saying? Have I got this right? Have I heard you? Um, Gary Chapman reckons that if you've listened to someone three times, by that time they're starting to really sense that you are genuinely interested in wanting to hear what they have to say, understanding them, understanding their point of view. And, and, and nine out of ten times, they would have calmed down by now. Move to number four. Put yourself in their shoes. Really ask yourself if you've understood why they're angry. Would I be angry 
Would I be angry if I was in the same situation? Or if I saw the situation as they see it? Whether they're right or wrong, doesn't matter at this point yet. <laughs> Just get into their world. Do I understand the world as they see it? Do I see what they see? Whether they're right or wrong, would I be angry as well? Move on to number five, uh, express your understanding. If I was in your shoes, if I saw this as you see it, yeah, I'd be, I'd be upset too. You know, sometimes that would be the end of it. That, that could be the end of the problem, the end of the angry conversation. Uh, but if it's not, you move on to number six. Shed more light on the subject. You know, can I just share with you a few things that you may not be aware of? Would you mind hearing my side of the story? Can I share with you how I see the situation? Can, can we try and work this out? Often, very often, it's simply a matter of misunderstandings, misperceptions. <laughs> You're just valuing different things. And once you understand that, it's, it's worked out. And number seven, humbly, if, 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 if you're, um, you want to be Jesus-like, look for your part in, in why that person's angry. Be happy to admit it and uh, pledge to do better. This is in Scripture, but it's something practical. There are perhaps many other ways of just how, how can our words be somewhat different? When someone's angry and they're riled up, it's a different thing when, when you say, okay, come on, let's sit down and just please tell me. Tell me what's going on. Compared to, what? You're, so, you're an idiot. What are, what are you on about? I don't get it. What is the problem? Why are you so upset? This happens every time, etc., etc. And then there, off we go. There's a huge fight. It, it doesn't work. I think Proverbs wants us to think, and, and the wisdom it wants us to think about is, how can we respond? How can we do this better? How can we handle uh, anger better simply by the words that we use. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. First proverb. Number two, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. When was the last time you had to make a difficult decision in your life with regards to a relationship, with regards to employment, with regards to your children, with regards to church, with regards to something that you struggle with, uh, uh, a sin, a weakness, a behavior, whatever it is. When was the last time you think you needed to make a very tricky, tricky decision? I want you to just grab that situation in your mind. Truth is, we all face many decisions like these all the time. And usually there's, there's a better way to go and there's a worse way to go. There's a, there's a right thing to do or there's a wrong thing to do. And as you wrestle with that, I'm willing to place a fair bet that there are some people in your life who you can ask for good, honest, loving, gentle, kind advice. 
Now, these are people whose words, words, you attach a certain weight to. Whatever that person has to say, you consider as helpful, wise, useful, and ultimately loving towards you. You know what they do? Their words make the right thing to do look beautiful. They adorn knowledge with their words. What they have to say to you makes you think, man, they're right. (laughs) This is the way I want to go. They paint a picture of wisdom that instills in you a desire to follow what they say, to, to act on what they have to say. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this. The Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him or her. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother or sister. His own heart is uncertain, but his brother's is sure. We all need someone in our lives who will adorn knowledge to us. So the question here is simply, do you have wise people in your life? Do you listen to them? Do you use them? (laughs) Are you open to them? Do you pursue the words that they have to speak? And then on the flip side, are you becoming a wiser and wiser person who will speak words of wisdom into the life of another? Proverbs teaches us that This is kind of how God wants it to be. He wants us to be people who will use words in each other's lives that will adorn knowledge, that will spur us on, make us want to do what's right and good and holy and pleasing. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge. The mouth of the fool gushes folly. You know who the bad advisors in your life is. Never listen to what they say. They do not love you. They don't know what they're talking about. And they're usually the people who talk the most and the loudest. Seek out a wise tongue that adorns knowledge. Aim to become a wise tongue that spreads knowledge. That's our second proverb. The last one is this. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes this spirit. Okay, let me unpack that a bit. I think this is a particularly powerful truth for a church, or for a family, or for a group of friends. Here's what I mean. Let's talk about church, for example. Ray Oldland a writer about on Proverbs says this, Adultery, for example, is perceived by most churches as a serious sin. And it is. But I've never seen adultery send a whole church into meltdown. Gossip, by contrast, is often perceived as a little sin. But it destroys churches. You know how many people it takes to split a church or a ministry or a group of friends or a family? Not half the congregation, just two. 
One to start spreading the fiery negativity and another not to confront that behavior as the sin that it is. You know, we live in an age of freedom of speech. And it's a good thing for the most part for the society we're trying to create. But here's the thing. If you're a Christian, you've got to realize something. As a Christian, you're not free to say what you want. That's, that's the bottom line. As a Christian, you're, you're free, you're called to say what Jesus wants. What he has to say about a situation to someone, that's your pursuit. That's the adorned knowledge that you desire, that you rush after. That is what you want to say. The words you want to use is what Jesus wants you to use. A community who only ever speaks about each other what Christ wants and a community who is willing to listen to the words only that Christ wants is a tree of life. That's what this proverb's saying. It's a tree of life. Are you a person who loves to speak badly of other people or their work when they're not present? Stop it. Stop it. You're a destroyer of life. Plain and simple is what the proverb says. You wreck stuff. You wreck relationships. You wreck groups of friends. You wreck churches. You wreck families. You, you wreck the society you live in. Do not gossip. It brings death and destruction. Are you a person who listens to gossip, slander, useless talk about other people behind their backs? Quit it. You know, listening to what... To listening to... Uh, to that, without challenging the person who spreads it, makes you no better than the one who speaks it. And the right thing to do is, is to say, I'm not having this conversation. <laughs> if I am, we're going to have it with that person. And I'm willing to do that with you and help you, but, but I won't have it. Do you have unresolved issues with the person or a group of whom you speak ill? Then be courageous, do the right thing, take it up with them in person. Time does not heal all wounds. Ignoring injuries does not make them go away, but wise words can bring healing. Incredible healing. You see, church, words are incredibly powerful. It's James, the gospel, not the gospel writer, the New Testament writer who likens words or our tongue to the rudder of a ship. arguably the smallest part of a ship, and yet it can steer the entire thing where it is going to go. Another place that's likened to a fire. Small fire. Think of a match. That flame can do hardly any damage by itself, but it can light a fire that is so destructive uh, that it destroys everything in its path. That is words. That is why they are important The lips of the wise, the last proverb says, spread knowledge, but the heart of fools are not upright. And that's where I want to finish. I have a little illustration to finish with. 
in my hand is a knife. It's, um, it's a nice knife. It's an expensive knife, so I should take it home and not leave it here, otherwise I'll be in trouble on Mother's Day. I ask you a question. This knife, is this knife a good thing or is this knife a bad thing? Can be either, can't it? You know, it's with knives that the most atrocious murders are, are committed. And it's with knives that we chop food. It's with knives that life can be taken, destroyed. And it's with knives that life can be supported, sustained. The only thing that matters is really what's the hand like that the knife is in. The knife is neutral. Put it to you to wrap up that your words, every word that you speak in your life, is just a vehicle. Your heart is the hand that holds the knife. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not upright. And the gospel, the Christian gospel, tells us that by default, <laughs> we're all fools. Romans says, our foolish hearts were darkened. We neither knew God nor glorified him. Our hearts are not upright, which means by default we, we don't naturally gravitate towards speaking the words Jesus wants to speak. It's just not how we're wired. I wish we were, but, but the truth is we're not. We, we, we love to use the knife for less than noble purposes quite often. That's our state. And yet here's the miracle with which I'm privileged to finish. Jesus comes, he dies, he's raised again, and then his spirit is poured out so that what I'm going to read now is true of you if you believe in Jesus. This is the covenant, this is the deal I'll make with them, God says, with us. After that time, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Your heart's not the same if you belong to Jesus. The hand that holds the knife of words is not the same if you belong to Jesus. <laughs> it's a changed heart. It's a different heart. It's a heart that is capable of using words differently, not instantly, but your life should be a story in which how you use words becomes more and more and more beautiful. Everything you say should be more valuable, adorning knowledge more, turning away anger more, <laughs> and we should all by God's grace, reach the point of our lives in the end where our advice is sought after, where we do not waste words, where our words become vehicles uh, that sustains life. I pray that that's true. I pray that that's true for all of us, individuals, in your workplaces, in your school, your group of friends, and definitely in our church. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the word. The word that gives life. Thank you that we, so many in this building, can attest to the quality of that life. 
Thank you that you never wasted a single word when you were with us and that even today your spirit never wastes a word. We confess that too often we do. We either do not say the words we should or we should say words that we shouldn't have and we regret it later on. This is a battle for us. But we thank you, good news of the gospel. Thank you that you fill us with your spirit. And as such, please continue to shape how we use words. Let us be trees of life. Let us build. Let us avert anger. Let us adorn knowledge. We ask for it in Jesus' name alone. Amen.